Welcome to All the Spectrum Podcast. My name is Nick. I'm Steve. And we are two human beings on the spectrum. We do not presume to be experts of anything in any way whatsoever. We are just two human beings who want to have a conversation with some other people. And you might hear some things on the podcast that you agree with, you disagree with, things that offend you, things that might not offend you. We might talk about things that are taboo, controversial, whatever. If you like it or you don't, drop us a line, give us a comment, say something to us whatsoever. We like talking to people. And today we have a special guest with us. Yeah. So I want to welcome to the podcast. We have Nixie Guy. Am I saying that correctly? Yes. Perfect. Okay. Yay. Should have asked you right. that, uh, before <laughs> how to how to say your name. Yeah, is is correct. Okay. Nixie. So Nixie's gonna talk to us about um I don't know, your experiences, I guess. Being a human being who lives on a planet somewhere in a galaxy. All right. <laughs> so when I usually ask everybody this, but uh, so when did you find out? I, I think I already know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. When did you find out that you are um, on the spectrum? Huh. So uh, first, it was really, really obvious when I was a, ch a child. Like they were like teachers. They were like, what is going on with these children? You know, and, and they were making me a lot of tests and they were telling to my parents that I was having a lot of issues to communicate, to play with other kids, you know, stuff. Um, but because my parents, they moved me five times to school. <laughs> um, a part of the stress that that was for myself. Um, I was not able to actually never get a proper diagnosis. Like mm. I, I psychologists, but they, they never get me and do a proper diagnosis. So I was always uh, the weirdo, you know. I was a new person, but also a weirdo. I was actually going through a lot of bullying. It was super hard for me. Like when I was 12, I tried to commit suicide. So you can imagine. Or maybe mm. probably not. <laughs> but it was really, really hard for me. Um, mm. The thing for me is, uh, well, the moment I discovered this, actually, it was, well, first I noticed, okay, that um, I was starting to make first time in my life friends um, around, like proper friends, I mean, around 18 years old, something like that. Um, and I noticed that some of them, they were actually in the autistic spectrum. They were just in it, you know. Mm -hmm. And as some remember, um, you see Noki Cupid at oh, a time yeah. when it properly. And I, I had a really good match. Uh, with a person and huh, we were really 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 similar in many things we were saying everything and and she she's, she's diagnosed as autistic and she was just telling me like hey you are probably autistic you know and I was like well I don't know and she was explaining to me and I'd see, I was like okay I probably should take a test about this so I did it and it was obviously yes and really obvious yes um, one of the things I was actually researching, it was like, what actually means to be autistic, you know? Um, because I was really curious, like, where this is coming from, you know? Um, like, what is really, really, really happening? And right. at some point, I, I, was, I was just trying to research about some papers. And it was, I found two things that they were really, really interesting that I think you would like to check. One is that some papers speak that some autistic people uh, they have um, a fungus in their bellies that produce psilocybin. Okay. 
And others paper says that the amount of DMT that the, the body of autistic people, people produce is higher mm -hmm. than average, like two times more. Oh. In others, in other words, like this is literally saying that is two psychedelic compounds that mm -hmm. are quite high in autistic people. And then I noticed something, a really interesting comparison. If you um, if you go to the instructions about how to be a really good trip sitter, you know, of, of for mushrooms, someone is taking mushrooms, oh, and you, yeah. you read what, what you, you need to do and what you can expect about this person, it's almost identical about how to how you should take care of an autistic children and what is oh, are wow. the characteristics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was just like, of course, it's not like any study that says this directly, but I right. have this strong feeling that somehow autistic people are uh, somehow people that are all the time on mushrooms, not stopping. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that because of kind of like some of the sensory stuff, you know, yeah. like, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> everything's kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess everything's more intense. Yeah. So basically we're always tripping. Yeah, 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 it's <laughs> we're all, we're always tripping. Uh, like, let's just call yeah. it what it is. We're always on something. We're always on some drugs uh, that are making us see some cool ass shit. Mm, trails. Okay, uh, I did ask it a little bit when I was a teenager. That's about as far as I know. I never uh -huh. did shrooms or nothing. Well, it's 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 quite interesting because also one characteristic that happens when autistic people they take um, psychedelics is that they are less. Uh, they they have a less effect. Why? Because we know one of the characteristics in autism is being able to have a really vivid imagination so you can have mm -hmm. clear images. A thing that usually happens when you take mushrooms. Yeah. So if you already have this characteristic, you will not have so much of that already when you're taking mushroom because you have it. Because right, it's already there. Yeah, it's already there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's interesting as hell. I like that. I like that. <laughs> So did, what, did things get easier for you socially when you realized that you were autistic? Like how so, did things change? Of course, for me, the big change was that I, I was, I was always searching like a label, like a thing that was <laughs> like, oh yes, here is my community, you know. And I was right. trying that with veganism, and I was like, oh, it's a vegan community, a vegan community, um, my community. I was like, nope, it's not. Okay, what about people with high IQ, you know? No, it wasn't. Also, what about but, people that is interested in manga, anime, or role games, or things like that? It wasn't also. So it was like, what? Where is this label? And then when when my friend told me about autism, and I was like, okay, let's try this label. Let's try to meet other autistic people. It was so obvious that everyone I was meeting in the autistic spectrum, it was like almost like a copy of me. Not not exactly. Of course, every person have different characteristics, different right. interests, but really similar sensibilities. You know. Mm -hmm. really similar ways of, of like being able to go really far with our thoughts. Yeah. Um, yeah. I found that uh, sometimes it's yeah. easier for me to get along with other people um, that are autistic than people who aren't. It's easier for me to really? have conversations. Yeah. And I'm not discounting what you just said at all, but we've been friends for almost seven years now and me and you squabble like old married people. Yeah. But, um, yeah, right. Uh, I've also <laughs> like so one of one of my one of the closest friends I had that lived with me for a while. Yeah, uh, he's also on the spectrum, but he didn't know either at the time. Oh, 
So, but it's weird how I find out the people that I actually did connect with. A yeah. lot of them were more like me, and I just didn't know it at the time. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, Nixie, about how old were you when you uh, uh, diagnosed or figured out or decided well, you were autistic? But I don't know how you figured that out. But in that way, I mean, about how old were you? When I I remember at some point, um, just like being curious about this, uh, asking mm-hmm. my mom to give me all the papers that they give it to her about the diagnosis uh-huh. that they give it to me. Um, they were uh, they were not putting any label. They were describing what was going on, oh. and this was uh, this was the labels of um, not the label. Sorry, this was the description mm-hmm. that was exactly as how an autistic child children it is. And this okay. was around uh, four or five years old, six years old, oh, okay. between that ages. And then later, later when I was um, meeting my friend, I was around 20, 22 years old. Okay. I was uh, having this test. And mm-hmm. then I was like, okay, yes, I am autistic. It's obviously. And then I was checking my past and I was like, yes. And, you know, also... Noticing how I other things like this is also really cur- like really funny thing I noticed. I don't know if you ever try um uh this the laughing gas. Uh, yes. I know what you're talking about. I've okay. never been on laughing gas. Yeah. Okay. So uh when you mix laughing gas with mushrooms, <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh what happens is that usually you have a really psychotic experience. Huh. Okay. When I take laughing gas, it's like the, what experience I describe is like missing with mushrooms, but I'm not taking mushrooms. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, 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 so I have think, a feeling that this is going to be a centralized theme of this conversation. Well, you are talking <laughs> to a, a shaman. That is a true statement. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and psychedelics are a great person in my life. Yeah. That, that's a big deal for you. Yeah, I get it. So and there's no harm in that. It was just an observation. I think that there, um, there's probably a lot of benefits to psychedelics that we don't necessarily explore. Well, I mean, there's a bunch of research there's right now coming out about DMT and the benefits of that with uh, PTSD. There's a lot of research coming out about that. Yeah. yeah. All right. For so me, I, I just yes, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say that for me, um, between all psychedelics that I ever tried and I did, uh, the most profound and liberating experience I ever had was with, with five male, with Buffo. With, with what? With Buffo. It's, it's called also five male, five male DMT. It's not DMT. It, uh, it, it says five male DMT, the molecule, but five male yeah. DMT is not the same than DMT. It's a different molecule. I've never heard of that. And okay. Yeah, me neither. It's also called the toad, and it's also called bufo. Okay. It's really special because what it does, instead of you having any type of vision, um, what it does is to increase the awareness that you have with your body. Oh, okay. And it kind of let you connect really, with really the way you far. feel a little bit better. Yeah, but but is is okay. So this is the thing. Um, at the time, one of the things that helped me a lot, it was to go through uh, multiple b- um, retreats of Vipassana mm-hmm. meditation. You know, you're sitting there 10, hour, uh, 10, 10 days, uh, around 10 hours per day of meditation. It's quite, uh, yeah, intense. Um, 
And what you are doing there is that you are using your awareness and you are scanning your body part by part. Mm. And when you're doing this, uh, you realize about two interesting things. First is that you can feel your body quite deeply. And as you are doing it, you increase your awareness of your body. Okay. And the second is that every part inside your body have um, different um, sensations that mm -hmm. they are changing as you are observing them. And this is an interesting thing that if you are usually heavy in a place in your body and you are putting their awareness more and more and more, what is happening is that this part is dissolving and it's dissolving more and more and more. And if you do that for enough time, this mm -hmm. block, whatever is there, it goes away. Oh. So you can use meditation for healing. But right. of course, and this is one of the things that some people that are quite experienced in meditation, they say is like, it doesn't matter. Like I, I can take lifetimes. I can take multiple lives, if you believe in this, you know, to actually being able to heal myself fully by doing this. So it's a really slow process. But this is the trick that I found is that mm -hmm. this um, compound that actually is uh, the same compound you use and your brain use for control the awareness you have with your body, what it does is to increase literally the awareness you have with your body without doing any type of meditation. Oh. So what happens is that increase a lot of the awareness of your body and you start to feel everything all at once. And of course, this can be um, really hard for some people, you know, that they are not allowing themselves to connect with their bodies because they have maybe some trauma and all that things. Right. Usually when someone is doing this, what happens is that your body starts to move by itself and you can maybe start to scream or you can start to cry a lot or to laugh a oh, lot, wow. to express any type of, of emotions. Um, when I was uh, using it at the time for myself, it was the most healing experience I had. And at some point, I was looking to, to work with other people doing this. But, um, well, <laughs> it was not ideal because it's so intense that not everyone can hold this. So hmm. I was not liking the results I was having. And I was asking myself how I can do it in a way that actually people can enjoy the experience, that actually uh, they can totally surrender to it. And there is where I found that the combination with MDMA, it was mm -hmm. amazing. For me, discovering that I was able to mix MDMA with Fimeo, with Bufo, it was mm -hmm. the key. Because it's like doing surgery before um, before we were having anesthesia, anesthesia, you know, and then yep. suddenly discovering that it's anesthesia for the ego, for the mind. So the person can relax, can be in this bliss of love, acceptance. And then from there... Uh, being able to go to to the places where the person is stuck, where the person is not able to connect with their body, and then just unlock that. And <clears throat> that is for me like doing literally like a surgery, you know, in, in an emotional body. And when you do that with someone, it changes completely the way that the person feels in a permanent way. And you are not anymore the, 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 the same being in the sense that you don't have anymore the blocks that you were having, the anxiety, the especially I would say the things that are making you incapable of just being yourself, the things that are making you to be limited. Maybe you want to, like, I'm going to give you a sample. I was really, really afraid at the time of being able to sing a cappella, doing improvisation music in front of a public. 
Mm -hmm. That was like really terrifying me because even when I was putting myself and trying it, okay, (laughs) all my body was like shaking on fear, you know. And after I did this, just one time, okay, (laughs) it went away and never come back again. And now I can just go in front of a public, doesn't matter the size of the public, and I can just Mm -hmm. sing improvisation, like doing improvisation music by myself. It's wonderful. So uh, so do you... do yeah. you help other other people like in Iceland um, a, yes, as a I practicing shaman? So this is something you do. You you help people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me it was really interesting. Like how I ended doing this because I used to work uh, as a team manager. Like I was having at the time when I was living in Spain, um, two startups. One was about pedagogy that I I started. Um, when I was around 16 years old, and then I was uh, making a crowdfunding campaign when I was around um, 18 years old, and I did a TEDx talk around this, it's also about it. Um, and then it was not really successful, uh, not in the sense that I was not getting the attention of people, but not successful in the sense of what impact I was looking to have. Ah. Um, yes, because I was looking for having a really big impact, and what I noticed is that most of people, they were not they were not caring about what I was saying. Instead, they were using me to make uh, ads <laughs> of mm. their their yeah. companies or other things around that. So that was a little bit sad. So I was like, okay, I need to do something else. And at some point, I raised a lot of money. I was I make like um, uh, a startup about artificial intelligence that mm-hmm. it was um, for trying to find your tribe your place, you know, the, the people that you are looking really for to connect. And yeah. uh, I was able to raise half a million euros without users nice. at the time. Nice. But that was not making me happy at all. Right. Because I was spending a lot of time with the computer. And what I wanted truly was to connect with people, was to actually just be um, feel that I, I was having this sense of belonging. I was making a startup with that purpose, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that was not what I wanted to do, you know. That is the result was what I was looking for, but no making right. a startup. So you, you wanted to connect with people, but did you find that um your autism had got it gets in the way at all, or does that does it yeah, provide any sort of, of barriers for you? I mean, honestly, I, I want to say this. Um mm-hmm. I think that the reason that the autism, we can say, goes in the way of many autistic people is not because the autism is itself. I think that autistic people are profoundly gifted because they are profoundly aware of their environment. They are really sensible. Uh, the, the problem is precisely because we are so sensible and we, can, we have capacity to process so much information because at the end, what, what happens when you increase your awareness is that you perceive more information in the same amount of time, right? So what happens if you take someone mushrooms to a car trip of maybe three hours or two hours? It's actually really heavy and, and, and it doesn't feel good at all, you know? And it's going to be the same if you take that person on mushrooms every day to school. Or you take that person on mushrooms right. to be in, in a party, you know, like it's, it's really overwhelming. And this is what happens with autistic people. They are constantly being traumatized slowly, you know, by, by the society we, we have because it doesn't, uh, we don't have a space truly um, for being or, or, or senses calm, for feeling really at home. So if, if we don't have that, then what is going to happen is that our body is going to accumulate a lot of trauma. 
and it's going to have all these restrictions that with any type of interaction we can have with other people, it's going to limit us. So what I noticed, and this is honestly what, what is my experience with myself, is that I went from almost not being able to speak with people. When I was a child, I was having so much issues. I was hyper aware of my walking and I was not even able yeah. to walk properly, you know, um, to, to be in a place where I am <laughs> in a lot more flow than almost any neurotypical person, you know, and, and having a lot more capacity to communicate than most of people I know. Um, mm. And that completely saved my life. But that is because I heal myself deeply. And I, I also want to send this message, you know, like, it's possible to heal yourself. I'm not saying that autism is a problem. What I'm saying is the trauma you right. get by being so sensible. Right. You're, you know, you're saying all the extra stuff from the environment we're around, yes. heal yourself from that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a good mission. Definitely yeah. a good idea. Like, uh, I've, I mean, it also sounds like it's a rather tough one too, because you got to inspire people and help people walk that path. And sometimes it uh, it takes a while to talk people into walking a path of trying to heal themselves. I've actually never done any psychedelics because I've always been kind of afraid to try them. Mm -hmm. Well, as an adult, I will not advocate you do them at all. I just, um, I, I have issues like about control and yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah. I have but, issues with control. So like certain types of mind altering substances, I'm afraid of losing control. I mean, I mean Nixie would know better than me, but uh oh, did the, oh, the camera didn't freeze. Okay. Uh, Nixie would know better than I would, but like, you don't really lose control. No. It's more of just things get real heightened. At least my experience limited yeah. that I have. It's just I experienced everything more. Yeah, like you know um, what I mean? Even like with colors with, got brighter, the wind felt colder. Like it's like, yeah. well, the few things that I've tried, you know, like uh marijuana has a tendency okay, to make no, me but, feel but, more anxious. Yeah, but it feel it's it's really common to confuse marijuana with, with psychedelics. There is not a psychedelic at all. Um, I will say that actually when you take psychedelics, it's not that you lose control, you gain more control. Okay? Yeah. Uh, far more aware. <laughs> you know, one thing that contrasts psychedelics, like if you take mushrooms mm -hmm. and you take alcohol, it, it contrasts each other because alcohol yeah. decreases your awareness and yep. uh, mushrooms increase your awareness. So yeah, like, and see, I like it, alcohol because I like to numb out the world yeah, yeah i like to so That's when I get, a lot of people I, like alcohol when i get um if i'm in an environment that makes me feel uncomfortable socially mm -hmm. like uh, i get social anxiety when we're around a lot, large groups of people so you know if i have some alcohol it kind of makes me numb to some of the anxiety the sensory well, stuff sure. yeah yeah that have a lot of sense like uh honestly um huh. For me, the way that psychologists had helped me is not using them in social context. Mm. That, of course, at some point I tried that. Um, not always, it wasn't always nice <laughs> to do it. Right. But for me, what what actually helped me is that when when you take psychedelics, what happens is that um, you have even more creativity. You have more capacity to uh, understand your body, to connect with your body. Um, you have more capacity to to feel your environment, and then when when you are 
with all these capacities increase, what happens is that you can start really easily to see your loops, your patterns, the things that usually you repeat, the things that usually you say to yourself, the behavior. And as you do that, depending on the amount you take, if you take a microdose, if you're just using a really small amount, what happens is that you can navigate your day, day-to-day life, um, being a little bit extra aware, and then you can actually take better decisions and you feel a lot better because also increase your capacity to communicate just because your creativity is more active. You have more capacity. It's like suddenly you have extra space in your head. So what what I understand of psychedelics is that typically your brain filters out information. So we receive lots of data from our senses, our hearing, our eyes, our nose, our sense of touch, everything. We're receiving all this information. Your brain filters a lot of it out and tries to pick out things that are important. But when you're on psychedelics, it's almost like you're more, your brain doesn't filter it as much. You're kind of getting more information that you're readily, that's readily available to you instead of your brain filtering it out as yes much. Yes or no. Like there is a, a way to describe it, but actually it's more like in Vipassana. And, and I, I want, I'm going to res- explain this. So when you start to increase the awareness that you have of your body and your environment through meditation, what happens is not that you, you just, um, open your filters and you receive more information. It's not just that, because just that, it will be yeah. just overwhelming. But actually mm. what happens is that your capacity to accept the things as they are, to feel in peace with whatever uh, is happening around you, increase. And this is what happens yeah. when you take psychedelics. It's not only um, your perception what increases, but also the inner peace you have. But I'm going to also be really clear about this because, mm-hmm. of course, probably some people also that will hear us, um, they will say, well, but what about bad trips or what about moments where uh, I feel actually a lot more stressed because I'm in psychedelics? Yeah, this is because you are extra sensible and psychedelics when you are there, especially with mushrooms, they are guiding you. They are telling you where, what is the direction you st- the, to take, what is the place to move. And you can feel it inside your body. You can feel uh, if it feels good or not what you're doing. And usually mm-hmm. um, this is not something you can do s- so easily when you are not in that state of consciousness. But when you are on psychedelics, it's like, oh, here doesn't feel right. I need to do this instead of being obsessed with this other thing. Or I need to maybe... Uh, just need to just go outside uh, and usually maybe I don't allow myself to go outside but now I'm a lot aware I'm more aware of how I feel inside and then I, I notice that I can treat myself better so this is the key psychedelics makes you to feel more aware of yourself so you know how to treat yourself better which makes you to feel better which actually also can can um, increase uh, your happiness in your life potentially because it's teaching you how to navigate your life day to day, how, how to do the things day to day, you know? Mm-hmm. So I actually, I have a question that I just thought of and it, it's related to what you're, it's indirectly related to what you're talking about. But so I don't know if people are listening, if they heard the part before, cause we talked a little bit before we started recording, mm-hmm. but you're in Iceland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it more socially acceptable for psychedelics over there? Yeah. Uh, for, Icelanders told me compared I never to like really compared to here. Yes, but I, I I it's an statistic here, okay, that people popularly says that is that Iceland is the country, and I know that marijuana is not a psychedelic, but they say Iceland is the country that consumes more mari- more marijuana per person. 
in the world. <laughs> wow. And I will say that, that probably is true. <laughs> okay. Um, That's going to be really the next t-shirt that I make. That's the next t-shirt. Okay. <laughs> Icelandics smoke more pot. Like that's the shirt yes. I'm going to buy right there. <laughs> hey, I knew there was a reason I wanted to go to Iceland. Yeah, there's yeah. a reason why you wanted to go to Iceland. <laughs> I, just always, I, always, I think it's it's pretty. That's the reason why I wanted to go. It looks like a beautiful yeah, country. Yeah, it's really pretty. Iceland. And I wanted to check um, out the hot springs and stuff too. Okay. Yeah, they're amazing. Sure. But yeah. precisely, hey, take a photo for me. Yep. Send it back to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be willing to go on. It's not that long of a flight from where we are. I mean, we're near Boston, so that's what, like fourth. Yeah, yeah, we're I just outside Boston. Fly to Iceland. What? Yeah, it's not that far. It's like four hours. You flight. have a direct flight to Iceland from Boston. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. From oh, yeah. that's why I thought about going. It's because oh. it's, yeah, so it's, it's not a far it's, flight. It really Do I need a passport? I have a passport. <laughs> oh, so you're saying no then? <laughs> I think you probably need summer. a passport. Summer is the best Iceland. moment. Summer is the best. You say? I don't know yeah. if I could deal with the constant daylight though. See, I could. I could do that. I think I could deal with it. I mean, I've never had to, but I think I could deal with that. No. I don't think I could deal with winter because does that mean you have constant darkness? Constant and dark, yes. There's no yeah, ice. I don't, I don't think I could so, deal with that. Although you said it's safer there, so maybe I could deal with so it. I, I hmm. think it's interesting that Iceland, right, uh, they're, they're, you know, they they – it came about from like the Vikings and stuff who came over to Iceland. Sure. And the Vikings in the Viking uh, culture, they had a tradition of doing psychedelics. Okay. Right. I mean, right. The, I they know. did like mushrooms yeah. and stuff like that. Right. Here, mushrooms yeah. grows everywhere, like psychedelic mushrooms. Yeah. I one time I was just going out of a bus stop and I was just finding mushrooms next to me, psychedelic mushrooms that I just picked. Yeah. Oh my god. Have, have you heard of a wow? It's an entire island of people tripping. Have you heard of awesome. a Viking berserker? Yes, and they take mushrooms and mead and oh, get high and go into battle. Oh, well, I didn't yeah, know that's why. Yeah, but Look, usually I'm that not... is with the amanita. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because they thought it would it would make them less afraid or make them fearless in battle while they're. In. Well, that's probably the same rationale of why Russian uh, the Russian government used to give amphetamines to people. To their troops, <laughs> keep them up longer and and like not have fear or nothing. Anyway, yeah, government experimentation. Let's not talk about it anymore. I just i All i right. did i didn't know that you were in Iceland, and i i've always i find Iceland really interesting. So, although mm -hmm. I've heard Icelandic is the hardest language yeah. to learn in the world. Well, uh, I have been here already for years, and I don't know how to speak Icelandic. So I guess <laughs> it is. I've heard it's very difficult language to learn. Right. It is, but I don't think it's because the language. I think it's because uh, it's hard that Icelanders, uh, they're going to speak to you in Icelandic. Yeah. That is a problem. <laughs> oh, okay. Do, so is your, your first language is Spanish? Yes, my first language is Spanish. <coughs> and you speak yeah. English, but you don't speak Icelandic. Do most no. Icelandic people speak English? Yes. Uh, yeah. Like even sometimes between themselves. Oh, okay. So it's yeah. not uncommon to see like people speaking English to each other just because. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, how many uh, other languages do you speak? Spanish, English, and I know a little bit of of Finnish and French, and I I also know a little bit of Portuguese after four months in in Brazil. Yes. Oh, okay. But it's mainly there Spanish and English that are my main. We're yeah, in yeah. we're in little Portugal right now. 
Yes. Uh-huh. It's, it's a joke. We're, we, yes. we're in a part of Massachusetts that is, uh, has a lot of Portuguese population. Well, actually, so. we have a larger Portuguese population in this area of Massachusetts than in Portugal. Oh, uh, nice. Well, okay. Yeah. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm 25% Portuguese. There we go. And I'm <clears throat> thankfully 0% Portuguese. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, it's just a joke. It's just a joke. I'm not against any group of people on the planet. He's lying. He's against them all. Yeah, I'm against all of them. Yeah. I, I equally <clears throat> opportunity don't like you. Especially humans. Icelandic uh, shamans. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> oh, good God, sir. So uh, you've been a lot of places in the world. Yes. What are your top top three? What are your top three favorite places to go to that you've been to, to stay yeah. in? I don't know. Favorite three places to yeah. trip in? I don't know. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? I, yes, I think it's really clear. Um, the Amazon in Brazil, in inside okay. the jungle, there. Yeah. That is amazing. I, well, I will say that in Brazil, Brazil in general, because also it's a spe- really special place that is called Alto Paraiso de Goyas. It's a really weird village um, where people believe in aliens and everything is decorated with aliens there. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a special place. <laughs> and also you do a lot of ayahuasca and other plant medicines there. Mm-hmm. Um, have have really you tried ayahuasca? Place. Yes, a lot. Um, How, yeah, I'm actually... Did you have you have a good experience with it? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, ayahuasca, even when a lot of people think that is really strong, it's actually quite soft. What I mean with this is you can imagine that... Because you take ayahuasca uh, and you vomit is strong, okay? But you are choosing the amount that you're taking. So you can take one one glass, one a little glass, you know, you can feel it and you can continue if you want from there or not. It's not like other psychedelics that you take a certain amount and you go into a full trip, you know, if you take a big amount of mushrooms. But with ayahuasca, you're choosing actually how far you want to go. So it's up to you. It's, in that sense, it's really gentle. And oh, nice. the way that ayahuasca presents to you also is really gentle because it's this, usually ayahuasca, not to everyone, okay, but usually uh, it presents as uh, as a voice, like really lovely voice that is just um, giving you love in one way or another, just telling you uh, how much it loves you in so many senses and, and just pointing to you what to heal and through that and through giving love to the parts that Usually you are not allowing yourself to love. Uh, you you vomit that, you know, and then you feel how you that is a release. You know, the vomit itself is a release. I'm actually organizing probably someone. Um, <laughs> huh? Say it again. I think it's a little bit of of noise right now. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. I don't know if no, you hear me good. properly. You oh yeah, noise? I no. You said you were organizing something. I think yeah, yeah. Didn't I didn't what hear said. what that was. That you were organizing. Yeah, well, it's, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I for me, has been not life-changing because uh, what for me was life-changing was DMT. That is the main component of ayahuasca. It was smoking it. But at the same time, I can say ayahuasca has been life-changing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not that I, it was through ayahuasca that my life shifted. 
but through the component of the ayahuasca. So it's kind of the same in the same in the in the way, but it's not, you know. Like the difference of DMT and DMT is actually really special is that um, when you take DMT, if you take enough and you take with a purpose, because DMT is also really particular, you can take a really big amount and nothing at all happen to you. But mm. if you really take it with a lot of purpose, mm-hmm. um, what can happen is that in your the, the eye of your imagination, it gets really, really, really bright, really big. And at some point it gets so, so big that it takes you. And then suddenly you're in a different reality and you're in place and everything feels completely as real as here. And then you maybe are meeting some types of creatures there, you know, or maybe not. But it's, it's pretty interesting. Like the, the, the deep awareness that you can get from there uh, about who you are, what is reality and what are you doing here? What is your purpose? Mm-hmm. Do you, do you think there's, um, I don't know, it's just something weird. Like uh, I think a scientist would say that it's just coincidence that all of these different um, plants and fungi and stuff are able to interact with us biologically in a way that produces these effects or that, you know, um, like the DMT thing is something that, you know, some of these are chemicals that naturally exist in our bodies. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, it's kind of interesting. Like what are your thoughts about? like all these different plants and fungi and things that just happen to interact with us in this way. Yeah. yeah this is actually a really interesting question. You know, like, um, I, I really believe that, um, we are not separate. Like, uh, this is actually one of the major discoveries I, 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 I did in my life. And it's something I, I'm slowly putting out there, but I can I can give you this. Uh, <laughs> okay, so yeah, let me explain. <sighs> I want to introduce you this in this way. What do you think are the the main problems that the planet have this moment? What are the major issues that we can say? Uh, humans live on it. <laughs> Why? Oh, because we're just wonderfully self-destructive. Okay, and we're killing and the planet. Mean? We're killing the planet, but what does it mean that? Yeah. Oh, what does it mean that we're killing the planet? Yes. Oh, uh, well, we mine all the natural resources out of it. We destroy it for our own profit, and we're mm-hmm. poisoning the crap out of it. So, w- you, would and you I was say mostly that just making jokes to begin with? But we're we're going to keep going that way. Okay. So, right. or we, we can say that we are not having a lot of empathy, right? For the rest of the planet. Right. No? Right. <laughs> and because that major we're, we're more important than... It's a true statement. I mean, it's a true statement. We're more important than the other living things on the, the planet. Or at least mm-hmm. it's how we, we treat it or how we... Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time that this is, this mm-hmm. is uh, happening... Uh, we, we can say now from there is one play, one part one of the problems we can describe it that then from from here is climate change right somehow yeah. and, and also all the pollution all like all the destruction of so much um, environments of so many species so many living beings you know um, okay w- what else what other problems we have as humanity in general uh, I think a lack of empathy for each other lack of understanding for other people oh other groups of and, people. I mean, being autistic, it's hard to be understood by other groups of people at times. 
Mm-hmm. True. So it's like kind of like a lot of social injustice, right? From there. Oh yeah. That happens, right? Yeah, a lot of people treating other people like crap. Yeah, and also like yeah. it's like we precisely because these uh, we have risk of even war between countries, yeah. right? Oh yeah. So we can say somehow that um, the war that can happen, or the social injustice, or the climate change that uh, is happening, on, and all this pollution is um, because we have a big lack of empathy, right? Yeah. And somehow, yeah. if we if we will be able to develop this empathy, everything will be really different, right? If if we will have enough empathy for the planet itself, we will not treat each other this way, right? Right. But how I we can do so. that? How can we do it? Um, I don't know. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know because like some people are almost unwilling yeah. to, to have empathy for somebody else because they're unwilling to learn anything different than what they already believe. It also depends on if yeah. you if you think short-term, if you think long-term. Mm. A lot of people only think about short-term versus long-term. So if you're talking true, about true. long-term – like what's good for us long term is not always what's good for you short term. And if right. you're only thinking in the short term, you're going to make bad decisions that are going to hurt you long term. Not necessarily, but a lot of times. Yeah. yeah, potentially. Yeah. So I, I noticed one thing. It's like if you observe what are what is the organism mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in Earth that have the biggest amount of empathy, um, you will notice that is the cells – of a body. Hmm. So the cells of your body, they yeah. have so much empathy to each other mm-hmm. that they behave as one, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can see you what know? you're saying with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can see what you're saying. Yeah, because there sure. are multiple cells, but they are behaving as one. Right. But it's, it's a lot of cells and hmm. they treat each other in a way where um, they are treat- trained that everyone have all the resources that they need. And they are um, sharing everything and just feeling together as one, right? So um, what is really interesting is that that is actually quite a different type of identity. Like the cells, for achieving Mm -hmm. that, they need to identify themselves with the whole body. Right. Because if they don't do that... Identify themselves as being a part of. Yeah. Yeah. So that is the, the thing. Like I was like, okay, so for that... If we translate that to humans, that means that maybe we need to identify ourselves with the planet, right? Right. If we will be able to identify with the planet and we will say like, okay, my identity is Gaia, <laughs> mm-hmm. then uh, maybe we can have enough empathy, right? But how we can do that in a massive way, how we can actually achieve that in, in, in a global way. So Spike the I water discovered- with DMT. Uh, hey, no, I actually, I actually <laughs> discovered, yeah. I discovered a way how we can do it. Okay. How's that? <laughs> okay. Prepare for blowing your mind with this. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, okay. I was, I was to also want to announce this, that I was able to put this first time in words when I was mixing ayahuasca with mushrooms and DMT together. Okay. <laughs> so... I, I want to just honor that. Um, so this is what I found. If you look to the cells, okay, mm-hmm. you, you just see the cells at the beginning before they become a body, they're interacting with each other, right? 
Mm-hmm. So they are like right now, like us, we are talking, right? So the cells also they can interact with it with each other in different ways, of course, with chemicals, all that stuff, touching each other maybe. Um, but at some point they they become colonies and how they do that process. To become colonies and start to be specialized and organized, what the cells do, does is to put information out of their bodies that is permanent, I mean permanent, that can survive, this information can survive by itself, even if the cell dies. Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm with this so, so far. You, you, the cell puts information out of the bodies, and this information can continue, and the cell can die. And this information is maybe uh, like a molecule, we can call it, or hormones, right? And then this information can make the rest of the colony the rest of the organization to start to, to specialize. So, so some cells, they can just start to defend the colony because other cells are actually producing um, food. They are, they are taking the food and they are um, just working with the food that they have, right? And others maybe mm-hmm. are starting to specialize in how they can transport better the information, right? So maybe they can actually increase the, um, the channels where this information can flow, right? Right. So this is also really similar, if you look at this, the pattern, to what happened to with some animals. One of the animals that we can check, for example, are the ants. You know ants? Mm-hmm. So the ants itself, like they, they have this organization as a colony. And they achieve that because they're putting information out of their bodies in a form of pheromones. So right. they put information out of their bodies, and then they can create a colony. They can specialize some of them in... Uh, taking food, others in defend the colony. You can check actually that our ants, for example, the Amazon, that they are taking leaves and they are taking these leaves and giving these leaves to a fungus that is in the colony. So they are literally doing a type of agriculture, you know, with the fungus. And are all the ants that they go to trees and they are farming these little animals that sucks the blood of the tree. They are not killing the animals. They are just uh, protecting them and they are li- taking mm. the, the liquid that is going out of their butts, that is sweet. So that animal transform this salvia, this blood of the tree that they cannot mm-hmm. eat, into something that the, the ants can eat. So they are literally having this farming, you know? You know? And yeah. also are, are some ants that they actually um, attack other colonies and they make slaves. And this is really, really similar to what happened with some hominids, you know, with some monkeys at the time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> They literally learn how to put information out of their bodies, right? And this information, mm-hmm. uh, we can say it was uh, putting in rocks or in papier, you know, a type of paper, something, different types of things. And by doing that, they were able to organize themselves as a colony, as, as a big group of amount of people that they start to specialize. So some of them, they are also defending. They're also making slaves. They're also learning how to farm. They're also learning how to um, take some plants and, you know, grow things, you know, with it. They, are, they are doing also agriculture. They discover also agriculture, right? And as the cells, they are trying also to make the connection between them uh, farther and farther. So we, as humans, at some point, develop capacity to use pigeons, to use boats, to use horses, right? So that mm-hmm. communicates better between all the colony. But this is the thing. How the cells as a colony goes from a colony to a pluricellular organism to behave as a 
organism made of cells. The way that this happens is, <laughs> is by some cells, they start to specialize mm -hmm. in communicating better. And one of them, they manage to find out that they can make their bodies longer and they take the message from one place, they make them, them the message through their bodies with electricity and put it in the other place. These are the first neurons. Yeah. One place to another place connected. The same that happened when Europe and the States uh, connected through using the telegraph, you know. Mm -hmm. Instant connection with electricity. And that changed everything because suddenly we have instant connection between two places and we can start to behave more as one. This is exactly what happened with the cells. And at some point, these cells started to... <laughs> to find that they were able to not only put one place to another, but one place to many places. So one connection to many connections, mm -hmm. right? And then they can deliver information to many, to many others, which is the same thing that happens with humans when we develop radio and TV, okay? Yeah. So we can say that a president or a big company, um, they are like the main cell, right? And then it's spreading this information to everyone around really fast and being able to have a really big impact, uh, impact and coordinate and have more specialized people in things, right? This is the beginning of, of what our, our civilization as we know now, like really right. deeply, right? And yeah. what is the next step of the cells? So the cells, what they do is that instead of one to many, they do many to many. Mm -hmm. And when they achieve that, they start to behave more and more as just one right? That is the same thing that happens with us with the internet. We can connect one point to another, doesn't matter yep. which one it is, many to many, instantly. Um, this is the th next thing, okay? So as they are connecting these neurons one to another, is information flowing more and more in this net? And this network, at some point, it starts to have awareness, it starts to have conscience by itself which is the same thing that is happening with ChatGPT, with artificial intelligence. In other words, we're going to born as a planet. Really soon, we're going to mm -hmm. born. Like, all the planets are going to have the same consciousness. Right. And we're going to born as a different creature that is made of pluricellular organisms. And this is pretty big, because if you understand this, if you understand that the planet itself is an embryo, Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm going to born. Then you can also understand that everything that we think that is artificial is actually natural. That everything that has been happening, all this same that we have, all this pollution is the same process that can you can see when an egg, okay, is mm -hmm. the 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 baby in the egg is taking more space, is taking more resources, and is feeling that it's taking all the resources, right? It's feeling that right. it's not going to have escape until the baby realizes that it's only one. And then it borns. Yeah. It just goes out and borns. Right. <laughs> okay, so, no, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. <laughs> if, if we understand this, then we can understand mm -hmm. two things really important. First is that the mission of everyone right now, understanding that we are pregnant of Gaia in this moment, that we're going to born as Gaia, okay, is to heal ourselves as much as possible. Deeply Deeply, deeply, deeply. What, what is, what I can, in what way I can heal myself so we can born healthier? 
This is the main thing, okay? And the second okay. is, if we understand that we are a fucking planet that is going to burn, okay? But not not as as a, as, as something that is um, artificial, but understanding that everything that we thought that is artificial is actually a natural process that is happening in the cells and is happening in the ants. That, that is not that we are special. We are not a special creature, different from other animals. Mm. We are following the same process. This is a loop. And if we understand this, <laughs> this is the frame for being able to resolve all the problems that we had, all the wars, all the um, <laughs> all, all the pollution that we are making, all the uh, social injustice. If we truly understand that we are Gaia about to born, that means that we should start to behave as what we are, you know. Yeah. And that changes everything. If we truly understand this. And this is the message I'm about to put out. You are the first ones, by the way. <laughs> nice. I like being first. I'm recording this with you. It's <laughs> um, awesome. I'm honored that you felt comfortable yeah. enough sharing it with very us. Very much here. so. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it's Bless a very you. interesting concept. I, I very much like it. It's very interesting. So where do you see uh, AI in, you mentioned AI towards the end. Um, where do you see AI as, as its place in, in kind of what you're saying? Artificial intelligence. So this is the thing. We, we, we name as artificial intelligence, but actually mm -hmm. I will call it more as uh, <laughs> terra organism consciousness. Okay. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm not saying like, oh, it's, in, it's the only one. No, but you know, like uh, we what we call today artificial intelligence. Probably at some point it will be able to decipher, for example, the the network that fungi have. That actually some scientists, some scientific people are saying like, oh, these actually have a really complex language and they are talking to each other. So at some point maybe we connect our internet to the internet of the fungus. You know. Like the mycelium? <laughs> yes. Um, so, <laughs> artificial intelligence, we call it that way, but it's not artificial. It's you know, it's kind of, yes. Yeah. What's kind of weird, it just occurred to me, is yeah. that the artificial, like a uh, chat GPT is a large language yeah. model, right? And it's programmed yeah. based off of languages, mostly English yeah. right now, but based off of language. In a way, chat GPT and AI models like it mm -hmm. kind of represent a like a physical version of the collective unconscious because yeah. it's all of the information it has is based on ideas and concepts and words from us. Right. Mm -hmm. All added together into one singular spot. Yeah. I don't know. I just yeah. a weird thought I had. It's a good thought. It's, yeah. And it's pretty good much how our brain something. works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty I mean, much. It's the same, yeah. but it's, it's, it's quite like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of how our brain works. We take in a crap ton of information and we add it all up together. Right. I just thinking. Yeah. I was thinking of like the concept of the collective unconscious, but like, no, I got you. It's a digital version of it. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I just. Although you segregated it from the rest of the world, but it's still in reality. So yeah, it's still part of that. Right. Yeah. Relatively speaking. Well, the collective con mm -hmm. unconscious is more of a yeah. That's an idea metaphysical that, idea versus yeah, I'm saying that's an idea somebody else has. Yeah. I know very little about it, but 
Just yeah, I, I agree. But right. I, I just want to point out one thing. You say that it's yes. a digital version, right? But just look at this. Um, okay, usually when when you, you don't have any more battery or someone is calling you, you know, you're saying, mm -hmm. oh, someone is calling me, right? You don't say, oh, my phone is saying that someone is calling to me, right? Right, or right. I, I is, or um, my phone is out of battery. You can say that, but usually it's like I'm out of battery. So yes. in, in in terms of identity, you are actually identify yourself with your phone. <laughs> yep. Otherwise, people are starting to call human beings cyborgs yeah. because we're attached to technology all the time. We're attached right. to computers and phones. So it's like the the technology and the person are merging into yeah. what is essentially but like a cyborg. What is I'm technology? To get robot technology hands. Yes, but technology is not just electricity, you know, like when we were just making uh, uh, stones that we can yep. actually use for cutting, that is technology. Like, that yes, is the is. key thing that humans have. That is mm -hmm. precisely uh, to know how to modify their environment, to use it for their benefit. Really similar to ants, really similar to also when, when the cells are putting out information of, of their bodies, is because they have capacity to interact that way with the environment. And the thing is that you need first to have that capacity of changing mm -hmm. environment to make your environment part of you, just part of you as you are, you know, you just put information out of you. Now you're using information that is out of you as if, as is part of you. And then at some point it becomes you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. No, no, very valid. I gotcha. Sorry. Yeah. It, there's a lot of information there. Like that's, <laughs> there's a lot. I gotcha. <laughs> Like you had to go on a whole little journey to figure out a bunch of this stuff. So I'm we, hearing we it for were, the first time. We were out late last yeah. night, and so our brains are not functioning at 100 percent right, right now. That is a true statement. That I'm at like <laughs> did a 60 percent capacity right now. We were oh, singing last okay. night. Yeah, I had a few too many beverages. <laughs> so okay. uh, we are. You're you're challenging us to think. No, she's challenging you to think, sir. I'm sitting here going, I'm going to process that later. I'm putting that in a little storage house in the middle of my brain. I'm going to let my brain figure it out later. No, um, it, it does sound like a very cool thing. Um, I will say one thing about it, too. I think you're right, though. If people kind of knew that concept and looked at us as an existence as a whole of the planet, I think that would eliminate a whole lot of the social issues because then we yeah. would no longer identify what the few things that make us different, but more of that we're the same. We're all part of this other thing instead of looking at ourselves as this group, this group, this group. No, we're all part of. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely think it would eliminate a lot of social issues. Yeah. See, I was listening somewhat. So we're, uh, we're actually, we're uh, approaching the hour mark now. Okay. Um, uh, is there, is there anything that you wanted to share with us that you haven't shared yet? Yeah, anything like super well, important that you want to tell anybody who listens to our stuff. <laughs> Not saying we need to, to 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 end recording now, but I'm just you know I I, I we blocked you off for an hour. I want to respect your time yeah, if you want yeah, to keep course. talking. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, well, I guess it's mainly two things. Uh, one is that uh, I I just want to say to people like. The hardest thing usually is to confront our, our fears, mm -hmm. you know, like the fears that are stopping us from 
healing or from going beyond, from exploring ourselves. But um, that that has been always the main issue. That is actually the the main problem you can find always. Like any type of of misunderstanding of war or anything that happens, usually it, it comes from fear of of being able to to communicate, you know, properly um, mm-hmm. what is going on or or to speak and. What I propose to everyone is to to use their fears as as a guide to walk. So instead of you run away from your fears, and and, and what I what that is going to make is that the fear is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay, true. Uh, what what I really believe we need to do is to go the opposite. Is to just look to the fear that we have mm-hmm. and walk in that direction because that is the only way that we actually can. Uh, start to move uh, in the way we want to do the things that we want to do in our lives. Usually, most people are not capable of just do what they feel in their hearts that they want to do truly with their lives because they are afraid. Right. And it has been fear the main way to actually, um, uh, we can say, group, of people with power to control other groups of people, right? But it's time to to look to the fear, to what it is. It's an amazing teacher if you if you are using it to walk towards it. And and just replace it with love. And mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say with this is <laughs> here maybe I need to go a little bit farther, but I, let me just just connect one moment to to my heart and just speak from there. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I had understood that really, really opened my eyes is that everyone and every part of yourself is in profound love uh, looking for for happiness and joy. And I'm going to really, really easily demonstrate this. If if you look to a person, for example, let's say a person wants to harm another. Mm-hmm. And let's say that person is going to harm another person because uh wants revenge. What is going to get that person if gets the revenge? He's going to be, get maybe uh, some type of happiness, right? Because it feels now like it's, it's done, right? This is, is, is good, okay. And what right. about other person is, is, is trying to harm another because maybe he wants money? He's going to probably feel that he's getting somehow power, right? And with that power, what is going to get? Probably he's going to get some type of safety. And with that safety, what is going to get? Well, probably he's going to feel happier, right? So always the intention behind, if you, if you search and you find what is the goal of the goal of the goal, it's always joy, happiness, and love. The behavior mm. is the problem. Right. The How we're getting it. You know. But it's, yeah. it's about, if you look at it, then you can understand that everything and everyone, every part of you is always in love with you. Absolutely. Including See, I like that statement. <laughs> yeah, I like that statement. <laughs> every part of you is in love with you. All right. So I yeah. think that I still need to go to Iceland. So now yeah, you do. I can <laughs> yeah, go do. on a... Shamanic hey, adventure to can, cure my anxiety. Can you so. go soon and just not come back? Oh, no. It's, no, I like doing a podcast with you. 
But see, you clearly figured out that you could move to Iceland and I can stay here and we can still do the podcast. I don't know if I want to move there, but I'd like to go. Well, she said it's safe all the time. You don't even have to lock your doors. And you can. Why would you not want to live there? Well, I would if I was going to try psychedelics, I'd feel safe with you because you seem like you know what you're doing. (laughs) True statement. True statement. I'd rather be with a professional or an expert. That's true. Opposed to Larry down the street who seems to talk to walls. Yeah. 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 No, no, he doesn't really exist. He doesn't really (laughs) exist. Um, But anyway. All right. Well, um, I just want to thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate that you took the time to talk to us. Yeah. And uh, maybe we can have you on again sometime in the future. That would be wonderful. We can talk about something different. So maybe a different topic. We'll maybe talk more about your travels. There's a lot of things I reading through your bio. There's a lot of interesting things on there. There is sure. We could touch on something else next time. Like literally every single sentence of your bio could be probably a whole nother episode (laughs) because you you have lived a a whole lot of life. You have lived a lot of life. Uh, And I appreciate that you lived it. So I don't have to travel anywhere. Yeah. You let you've traveled enough for both of us. So I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Well, Nixie, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Bye.